Section 55 of the Catholic's Ready Answer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tony Duchepec. The Catholic's Ready Answer by Reverend M.P. Hill. Section 55. Marriage, a Sacrament. Ultra-Protestant View. Marriage is an outward material thing, like any other secular business. Marriage, with all that appertains to it, is a temporal thing and does not concern the church at all, except in so far as it affects the conscience. Luther Catholic Teaching Like the above, held by the founder of Protestantism, brings the sanctity of marriage very near to the low watermark of degradation. Fancy St. Paul writing in that strain, especially after the extraordinary passage occurring in the fifth chapter of the Epistle to the Ephesians. Let women, he says, be subject to their husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so also let the wives be to their husbands in all things. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and delivered himself up for it, that he might sanctify it, cleansing it by the labor of water and the word of life, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So also ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, as also Christ doth the church. Because we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be two in one flesh. This is a great sacrament, but I speak in Christ and in the church. St. Paul is using no mere figure of speech. He is speaking of a fact on which he is basing most important precepts. The union of husband and wife is here represented as having a special mystical relation to the union between Christ and church that is to say, the union by which Christ sanctifies the Church by the grace of the Holy Spirit and makes it in some degree like to himself. The intimate union between husband and wife is made a sort of counterpart of the sublime mystical union subsisting between Christ and his spouse, the Church. And this is a great sacrament, or mystery, as the Greek version has it, in its likeness to the union between Christ and his Church. Now this is not an invention of St. Paul's. It could teach nothing but what was revealed. Nothing short of revelation could have justified him in raising matrimony to so high a level of sanctity. There is indeed a sacredness about marriage even as a natural contract, and its obligations are no less sacred. But nothing less than a divine ordinance could have exalted it to the level at which we find it in the text of St. Paul, 
wherein it is a holy thing, a mystery, a sacrament, bearing a special resemblance, though inferior, to the union between the Son of God and the members of His mystical body. The special sacredness of marriage is clearly conveyed by the text, but that it is also a sacrament in the ecclesiastical meaning of the word is no less clearly and forcibly implied. A sacrament in the stricter sense is not a mere symbol. It does not merely stand for or represent the grace communicated. It also confers the grace which it symbolizes. It is a direct sanctifying medium itself. A little reflection will show that St. Paul understood matrimony to be all this and nothing less. Because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Let these words be weighed, and let them be considered in connection with the rest of the passage quoted, and it must be plain, especially to anyone who knows how St. Paul speaks in other places of Christ's connection with the church. The Christ is here conceived as the head of the mystical body of which the faithful of his church are the limbs or members, and which he as the principal and life-giving part of that body makes holy and like to himself by the infusion of the grace of the Holy Spirit. Now if the union between husband and wife is likened to that between Christ and his church, it follows that matrimony sanctifies and enriches with divine grace, and is therefore one of the sacraments of God's church. Add to this that it is hardly possible that St. Paul would call the marriage union a great mystery of the new dispensation, if it were not raised to a level with the great channels of grace in the church. Such was the high conception of marriage entertained by the Apostle of the Gentiles, but similar testimony to the sacramental character of matrimony is borne by the fathers of the church. Amongst all men and in all nations, says St. Augustine, the blessing of wedlock is in the possessing of offspring and in the fidelity of chastity. But as regards the people of God, it is also in the holiness of the sacrament. That this holiness has the same source as that indicated by the above text of St. Paul is plain from what the same doctor says in his work on marriage and concupiscence. Speaking of such fidelity as heathens observe in their marriage relations, he says that in such marriages there is indeed a natural good, yet carnal. But he adds that the member of Christ, or the member of his mystical body, has supernatural motives for cherishing conjugal fidelity. He evidently understands marriage to be a special and specific participation in the union between the divine head and the members of his mystical body of which St. Paul so often speaks, which union is cemented by divine grace. In the same work, St. Augustine, still speaking of matrimony as a sacrament, compares its effects to that of baptism. The effect of the sacrament is permanent, he says, and its binding force remains even after either party has proved unfaithful, just as the souls of the apostle from the faith, though untrue to his nuptials with Christ through his loss of faith, 
does not lose the sacrament of faith, which he received through the labor of regeneration. Both sacraments are here described as vehicles of divine grace. The saint in his work De Bono Conjugali compares the effect of matrimony to that of holy orders. And St. Paul tells us that orders are a vehicle of grace when he bids Timothy to stir up the grace of God which in thee by the imposition of my hands. St. Cyril of Alexandria, speaking of the presence of our Lord at the marriage feast at Cana, says that it was befitting that he who was to renew the nature of man and to restore all nature to a better state should not only bestow a blessing on those who had been already called into life, but also prepare beforehand that grace for all those not yet born and make their entrance into existence holy. In other words, it was fitting that as God had provided in baptism a means of sanctification at the birth of the child, so in matrimony the future progeny of the married couple should be sanctified in its origin, which is the marriage contract. What can this mean but the specific grace conferred by the sacrament of matrimony? It is not surprising then that the Church, which is at once the heir and interpreter of its own teaching, should have declared, when occasion arose, the true meaning of these utterances of the Fathers. In the Second Council of Lyons, in the Council of Florence, and in the Council of Trent, the bishops of the Catholic Church solemnly defined that matrimony is one of the seven sacraments of the Church of Christ. Moreover, the same doctrine has always been held not only by the Latin, but also by all the Eastern churches. And in the Second Council of Lyons, in which for the first time a reconciliation was effected between the Latins and the Greeks, the latter signed the declaration that there were seven sacraments and that one of the seven was matrimony. No one who realizes the significance of the sacramental character of matrimony can fail to see how divinely wise was the provision made for the hallowing of a union which is so easily degraded and deformed. It is made a holy thing, reflecting as it does the holiest conceivable union, which is that subsisting between Christ and his spouse, the Church. Those who are united by it are made sharers of the grace of that higher union, and the grace that descends upon them overflows, as it were, upon their offspring. How admirable a means is supplied in true Christian wedlock for neutralizing the effects of human imperfections in the persons so united and for perpetuating the fidelity which they have pledged to one another on entering that holy state. Who can fail to see that the one great hope of society as such lies in the Catholic conception of matrimony. End of section 55, Marriage a Sacrament. Recording by Tony Ducepec.